Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, this is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And we continue our journey through the seven deadly sins. This uh, week we're looking at a little something called gluttony. The, uh, I feel like I have to do that every time we talk about one of these sins. Yeah. Well, of course, I don't know if a true glutton would be able to, like, it would be more of a muffled, food-choked laugh, right? Yes. Like food falling down the, the face, kind of a, you know, wine spilling all over the one's body kind of a thing. Wine spilling? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, I guess it does have sort of like a Bacchus-like... Yeah, there's uh, a- Evocation there. Yeah, it, it makes me think of on Futurama. They have a, there's a robot called Hedonism Bot, and uh, he his legs are the legs of like a, a reclining chair. Mm-hmm. He's like in a reclining state with a bowl of grapes on his chest and has a very Roman air to him. But yeah, so so gluttony is is the sin that's typically associated with like massive consumptions of food, being really into food, mm-hmm. enormous feasts, feasts without end. And uh, if we look to the uh, pages of uh, Dante's Divine Comedy. We see we see gluttony show up in both Inferno and Purgatory. In Inferno, the pit of uh, eternal suffering at the center of the planet, we uh, see a circle. This is the third circle, guarded by Cerebus, the three-headed dog. You know, not, uh, the dog is a good symbol of gluttony. So, in a dog with three mouths, is that's like triple gluttony, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but in this circle, uh, it's it's kind of interesting because it's not what if you're not familiar with Dante, it's it's not quite what you might imagine 
for a punishment of gluttons. Okay. Uh, Bring it on. All right. So you have rain, hail, and snow falling, just like crazy rain, hail, and snow. Okay. All right. And it's just pummeling the gluttons. Uh, who are just, they're just like held to the ground by it. And there's just mud everywhere. So they're, they're wallowing like pigs in this mud that's kind of, that may or may not be excrement. There's, um, they're described in very dog-like terms. And so this is where the, the gluttons are punished. Now in purgatory, whereas we discussed before, this is the mountain that connects earth to heaven mm-hmm. and souls that uh, aren't quite bad enough for hell when they need a little uh, polishing before they can get up into heaven. They have to uh, climb this mountain terrace by terrace. In each terrace, they remove uh, sort of a layer of grimy sin from themselves. Okay, so they're transcending their sins. Right. On the um, the sixth terrace of purgatory, you will find uh, these emaciated spirits with sunken eyes, you know, all the way back in the, in the sockets, and their, their faces are said to resemble the letter M. That's how swollen and sunk, not swollen, but that's how sunken their faces are. And um, so they're just suffering excruciating hunger and thirst. So in life, they had all their fill. So if they're going to work off this layer of gluttony, they're going to have to get used to the idea of going hungry. I like how Dante just dove into the grotesque, wasn't scared of it. Um, But that is part of the human condition, right? And um, as uh, Orson Welles says, uh, gluttony is not a secret vice. You can see it all over you. And on the surface, you know, we discussed in the past with uh, on the, the most recent one we did, Envy. And we were talking about how Envy is not a fun a sin. Mm-hmm. Gluttony is, is one that, at least on the surface, seems a lot more fun. Because, uh, cause, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, re- I really like food. Like, food is, is not just something I'm just kind of into. I, I really enjoy an excellent meal. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk about the reason why we really, really enjoy it, yeah. how we're hardwired. Yeah, and to actually overenjoy it sometimes. Yeah, and the thing that gets me ab- about gluttony is that there's this level of gluttony that we encounter in Inferno and in Purgatory. This this medieval idea of just you know obsessive feasts and all this, but there's like a space age level of gluttony that is only possible in this day and age. Like it's a level of gluttony yeah. that was unimagined in Dante's time. Well, exactly. And, and, and let's even say, um, like Henry VIII, right? Could, right. that, that's someone who could afford to be gluttonous, right? Had a bunch of resources. Yeah, he was a, his he was a master glutton. I would, I would imagine it's fair to say that. I always think of him with like huge turkey legs. Yes. In, in both hands, mm-hmm. uh, just waving them around. But in today's world, we can all be Henry VIII, right? I mean, gluttony is at our fingertips. Everything that we'd ever wanted, particularly food wise, um, libations is, yeah. is available. You can at least be a glutton on, you can, you, um, as far as bad food goes, you you can, and you could actually be a professional glutton mm-hmm. if you wanted to, and, and and this would come into play in competitive eating. Yeah, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. Competitive eating. There are these different levels of your enjoyment of food. There's sort of like I'm eating because I need nourishment for my body, and then there's this level of I'm eating because I really enjoy these tastes and I enjoy the sensation of eating, and I'm I'm enjoying the uh, this on a purely sense level. But when you start looking at competitive eating, it's it seems devoid of either of those things. It is eating purely for the act of eating. Like, and, and you hear some comments. Like uh, one of the dudes we're going to talk about here says that he got into it because he really likes chicken, and that he really likes <laughs> right, the, like right. the, he, he likes the flavor of things. But still, there's no way you're enjoying the flavor of like 38 hot dogs in a row, uh, you know. And you're certainly not eating that for your your well being. It's something completely removed. From those two necessities. Well, it's eating to an absolute obsessive degree, to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, and I think most people are familiar with uh, Takaro Kobayashi. Yes. He is the 
usually the person that you think of when you think about stuffing like 363 hot dogs in your mouth in under an hour um, and getting paid handsomely for it. But uh, who the person we're we're going to talk about today, his name... Um, it, well, actually, he goes by El Wingador, and Wingador, you yeah. just referred to him. He his specialty are you know is chicken, chicken wings, and there's a documentary film by Errol Morris called El Wingador, and like uh, a seven minute deal. Um, yeah, it's deal. not we'll, very long. It's actually pretty. It's worth checking out. Yeah, we'll link to it on the blogs or on the, the Facebook. But it focuses on this five time champion of the Philadelphia Wing Bowl, Bill Simmons, and how he prepares for these competitions is just insane. Yeah, I would be tempted to classify him as a power glutton. Yeah, yeah, a power... If you think about a power lifter, yeah, right? Yeah, he has that kind of power lifter vibe, except yeah. he's uh, he's only lifting things enough to stuff in his mouth. Right, right, right. and stuff to a degree that... that uh, it's just, just purely unholy. Unholy, and, and they talk about this, actually, in the documentary, to, to the extent that he says that he has almost accidentally eaten one of his digits, his fingers. Yeah, like he says, he claims that his, his hands are covered with scars because mm-hmm. he'll just, he'll get so into the, I guess he's, you know, he's achieving flow. <laughs> he's a transcendent uh, experience for him. Mm-hmm. But it's to the point where he's biting his hands and leaving scars because he's eating chicken wings in this he's other so, state of mind. right, uber-focused on yes. this. Uh, let's talk about how he trains. Okay. He eats 15 pounds of food a day when he's training, and he drinks three gallons of water a day, distending his stomach, right? That's yes. the point of that. And 10 pounds of Tootsie Rolls a week. Yeah, this was especially grotesque, because he's not just eating one and then swallowing it. No, he's, he's throwing them in his mouth and forming them into a massive baseball-sized mass of Tootsie Rolls, a giant Tootsie Roll cud, is that the word? Uh, like a... Like a cow chews its cud? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. there's some vomiting involved there. He's not doing that, right? Well, we don't really know. Well, I mean, he's doing some vomiting, be. but not in, in this situation. So he's he's chewing these Tootsie Rolls up, and there's this baseball-sized mass in his mouth, and then he swallows that. Right. And he says it's all about, A, strengthening his jaws mm-hmm. so that he can you know, really chomp and chomp um, during these competitions, but also like widening his esophagus. Right, right. Yeah. And he likens it to a snake swallowing a rat. Yeah, he's like, you know, if you're eating for, you know, your own enjoyment, then you should totally chew your food. But competition, <laughs> it's a different story. Like, chewing is for chumps. Yeah, chewing is for chumps. And, and and not only that, he's such a pro that when he masters this, he moves on to dog bones. Yeah, yeah. Like masticating them. Normal, and I'm equating a baseball made out of Tootsie Rolls as normal human food here. Uh, but 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 this becomes just too mundane for him. So he moves on, yeah, to his his dog's chew toys, and he ends up uh, like what is a five pound bag prior yeah. to competition? That's... Yeah, of raw hide bones. Ugh. Yeah, and he says he claims that he never gets full, and that he feels that he has an eating disorder. Yeah, because five pound bags of raw hide bones, like these are those. If you've ever been around a dog chewing one of these things, these are those things that the dogs chew, and it makes that loud clacking noise that makes your own teeth hurt. That's yeah. what this guy works on. Yeah, yeah. And um, PopSci actually has a really interesting article on competitive eating, and they were talking about what actually happens when when you're doing this to your body. And they say that muscles stretch uh, when they relax, right, in in the stomach. And when we eat a big meal, our stomach muscles relax so much that they send a message to the brain, which interprets the signal to mean, hey, you've got a full belly, Mm -hmm. um, that our brain stops us from eating anymore. That's what normally happens. Uh, But they say a good training regimen 
for competitive eating deadens this communication, causing the signal uh, to the brain or the brain itself to become less responsive to the large volume of food. And this is according to Douglas Seidner, MD, Program Director for Clinical Nutrition at the Cleveland Clinic. Huh, so it's kind of mind over matter. Yeah, yeah, it's mind over matter. Mind you, over burger. Mind over bur- mind over anything that you eat yourself into a, a numbness and you deaden your urge to stop yeah. eating, which is just incredible. Incredible is, is one way to put it. El Wingador, he's uh, is pretty amazing, and he has some, uh, or or when he is his, I'm not sure if he's active at the moment, but when he is active, sometimes yeah. he is accompanied to the uh, eating platform, mm-hmm. the gluttony ring, whatever you want to call it. By uh, he has he has uh, valets who are called the wingettes. The wingettes. Yeah. So if anyone is particularly taken with this man, you can probably get in touch with him and see about becoming a wingette and be one of his wing women. Yes. Yeah, and that not only do they cheer for him, but they actually sort of. Uh, are backup counters for him, right? Don't they sort of, from from what I remember, they actually are counting the amount of food items that he's stuffing down his gullet okay. and helping to corroborate his win. You, yeah, well, because you're going to need somebody to keep track of that. I mean, like when I'm swimming or doing yoga, you know, it's like I, I can't keep track of how many laps or how many sun salutations I've done. It's like I need somebody need- else to tell me now we're on number five because I'm going to get it wrong. So. You need some lamettes. Yeah, I need some lamettes to- <laughs> Yeah. To keep, to keep track. But the reason why I bring up competitive eating is because this actually sort of informs the conversation on gluttony and not only just gluttony, but obesity and um, how our body actually responds to eating. And it's really pretty fascinating. Uh, physician Jean Jack Wang of Brookhaven National Laboratory and his colleague Nora Volkow observed that obesity and drug addiction alter the same brain circuits. Uh, in their studies, Wang and Volkow found that both drug addicts and obese people are usually less sensitive to dopamine's rewarding effects. So as we, we all remember, dopamine is a neurotransmitter and it delivers the high that we feel um, our brain perceives when we eat food or um, we were to say if a you know, drug addict were to have some cocaine. Um, so this means that both drug addicts and um, obese people have to chase after a stronger dose of food or drugs in order to get a decent bump of that dopamine. Yes, yeah, that whole tra- chasing the dragon type thing. We've, mm-hmm. I mean, we've all heard examples of it uh, with like an extreme case like like heroin, where you an individual individual have that first uh, taste of heroin, mm-hmm. and it'll be this amazing just overpowering experience, but they never get that same experience again. Like the rest of their right. lives then is assuming they... I mean, and hopefully they, they're able to get away from it. But if right. they don't, the rest of their lives is about chasing that high, chasing that, that dragon that they met that first time. Right. And it's really interesting to see this in food and obesity and, and see that this increased or excessive stimulation just creates more desensitization with dopamine. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, again, that vicious circle kicks in. And you've got increased desire and decreased payoff at the same time. I have to say, I did have a really good like brunch sandwich at this place. And they, they caught it in a Napoleon complex. I don't know why, but it, but it had uh, brie and uh, bacon or Canadian bacon. I'm not sure, like fig spread, and it was on like this really nice uh, toasted bread. The first time I had it, it was amazing. And then I went back to have it again, and it was it was it was all right. And then uh, it, it's like each time it's like a little uh, a little further removed from that original experience. So. My, my own meager uh, comparison to that. Was the sandwich on stilts or something? No. I'm just trying to figure out why I, they're I calling it the, the Napoleon. I don't know. It's really, uh, one time I had to order it and there was a short person at the table. And it was really kind of weird because I was like, I'll have uh, that sandwich. You know, <laughs> And you just made it even more like. 
Yeah, and then it became even more of a of a thing. The server was like, "What sandwich? That sandwich? Oh, the Napoleon, the really short one." When we we serve on on stilts to make it feel better. (laughs) Yeah, it it would be cool if it were on stilts. Yeah. Well, yeah. My point is, the sandwich was dope. In that it actually, dopamine. Uh, yeah, dopamine. Yeah, yeah nice, yeah. nicely done. So um, Wang looks into this problem of obesity and addiction, and he actually asked some of his volunteers uh, in a study to come hungry. Oh, is this the the torture experiment? It's yeah, horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. He asked them to describe their favorite meals while he heats up that meal in a nearby microwave. So that the the waft of uh, the smell of it, let's say the Napoleon sandwich, is clearly being transmitted to their brains. And then they show a PET scan of the volunteers' brains during this whole process. And they see that the motivation part of their brain goes nuts. Yeah. Okay. And then the orbital frontal cortex, which is implicated in decision making, also lights up. And then they find that the, in the brains of obese people, the regions that regulate sensory information from the mouth and the tongue are even more active than, than other people. And they figure out that sensory processing is elevated. Um, this is the, ooh, that tastes good part, right? Mm-hmm. But the reward sensitivity is lower. See, now this reminds me a lot of our uh, podcast about um, children and Halloween candy and about how yeah. children experience sugar in a, in a kind of different sensory realm than adults do, than most adults do. And, and this uh, experiment uh, really highlights this, this idea that, uh, that obese individuals or individuals with this sort of, with this heightened appetite, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they are experiencing the food in a different way, which, which is, which I think is a, a helpful way to look at it because it's easy for someone to, to look at someone else's problems with food um, and or weight and say, oh, what's the matter with you? Why can't you control yourself? Why, why don't you eat just one slice right. of pizza instead of four? You know, but but if you if you think of it in, in terms of a different sensory experience, mm-hmm. it becomes harder to really have that kind of judgmental uh, attitude. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, understanding that the brain is actually getting rewired yeah. so that it has less control um, in these situations, and in fact, this was explored even more by a New York Times article called "The Fat Trap," and what they found is that weight loss and weight control depends, it still depends, of course, on the simple equation of eat less and exercise more, right? right? But for some people, it's a lot more complicated, right? So we talked about the brain being changed in that instance. Um, they were talking in this article, The Fat Trap, about something called post-diet syndrome. And it's essentially a state that your body enters once it's lost at least 10% of its body weight. Yeah. It becomes biologically altered. It's really fascinating. There's a guy named Joseph Proietto, and he's a physician at the University of Melbourne. And he kept wondering why his really, really motivated and committed patients would gain back at least 11 pounds of the, on average, 30 pounds that they had lost. And these guys were, like, super diligent. Um, the, the patients that he was working with, they had food diaries, um, they still exercised, they did all of this stuff, um, and they were on a low-calorie diet, essentially, at first. But, you know, they followed up with him for a full year, and he kept thinking to himself, why do they keep gaining this back? Um, and journalist Tara P- Parker Pope, who wrote The Fat Trap, started to think about this, too, in her the context of her own life. Mm-hmm. And she started to look at all these different factors um, that could be responsible for the inevitability of weight gain, you know, no matter if you're obese or not. But it makes it incredibly difficult for people who are obese to maintain their weights throughout their whole lives. And, And we'll talk a little bit about why that is when we come back. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. 
Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. All right, we're back. 
talking about the, the post-diet syndrome. Yeah. Uh, you, the body has is has realized that something is amiss, and it's trying to replenish the stores. Right. And it, and it breaks down in some interesting ways. The um, researchers found that there's a gastric hormone called ghrelin, often dubbed the hunger hormone. It's about 20% higher. There's another hormone associated with suppressing hunger called peptide double Y, mm-hmm. and uh, it also ends up leveling out pretty low. Uh, levels of leptin, a hormone that suppresses hunger and increases metabolism, also remain lower than expected. And then you have a, a whole host of other hormones that are associated with hunger and metabolism, and they're all significantly changed compared to pre-dieting levels. Yeah, this is sort of cocktail that you're, or cocktails of, of hormones um, that get messed with in this post-diet state, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that ghrelin is 20% higher, that hormone that tells you that you're hungry. So you're 20% more activated in terms of like, hey, I'm feeling kind of hungry yeah. in your post-diet scenario. And again, the, the leptin and the peptide YY are both decreased, and those are the things that help suppress your appetite. Another odd finding is that in some post-diet subjects, muscle fibers were acting like slow-twitch muscles. And slow-twitch muscles are, are actually responsible for less burned calories. So you're seeing this other weirdness happening in the post-diet scenario. And then there's, the, again, going back to the brains of post-dieters. Um, they were studied by researchers Rudolph Leibel and Michael Rosenbaum at Columbia University. And fMRI was used to track the brain patterns of people before and after weight loss while they looked at objects like grapes, gummy bears, chocolate, broccoli, cell phones, and yo-yos, just to put in a couple of non-food items, right? Mm-hmm. And after weight loss, when the dieter looked at food, this, the scan showed a bigger response in the parts of the brain associated with reward and a lower response in the areas associated with control. Again, that's the same thing that we were talking about before. Uh, and the implication is that the body induces cravings by making the person feel more excited about food and giving him or her less willpower to resist a high-calorie treat. The body wants to reset at the higher weight. So, I mean, how this actually susses out is that it really gives someone who's in a post-diet scenario a caloric disadvantage. And what I mean by that is that you could be subject A, for instance, who is 230 pounds, and you're eating 3,000 pounds, or 3,000 pounds, that's a lot, that's even more than El Wingerdorf, 3,000 calories a day, but then you drop down to 190 and in order to maintain a weight of 190 pounds, you eat 2,300 calories a day. Mm-hmm. Your counterpart, who has not been in a dieting scenario, who is, weighs 190 pounds, actually could have 250 to 400 calories more per day than you to just maintain their weight. So that's what this is. This is how this is all yeah. sort of shuffling out is that, you know, it, when you're in this post diet state, which, by the way, could last up to six years. Um, your body really is not going to burn as many calories, and, and automatically wants you to reset, uh, as opposed to your your uh, your counterpoint who isn't dieting mm-hmm. at that same weight. So you have to burn more and more calories. And this, I think, is is the sticking point of why people continue to creep up on the scales throughout their lives or yo-yo diet. Uh, because your your body is sort of working against you. Yeah, and it really it really becomes a, an issue of like sort of me versus body, and which is which is kind of a, a false idea because we are our bodies, and as we discussed before, what our gut's doing affects what our brain is doing to a level that you can't just cut one off from the other. But it's also not this situation of um, I am you know this is all about me. I am going to lose this weight. It becomes this this me and what I want versus the needs of my body and the the 
sort of the ideas of my body. And it's not our body just trying to be terrible to us. I mean, right. this I mean, is just sort of maintain. how we evolved, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. we have these, you know, big thick brains that require a lot of energy. It's, it's sort of like the Firefox of browsers, right? It takes up a lot of energy. Yeah. And <laughs> but it makes sense that we have gluttony hardwired into us because at some level we need it. Our brain evolved for us to eat in excess in order to survive. Yeah, I mean, we, we live in a an environment now that is is rather far removed from from what we originally evolved into where we can go and we can in most most of our listeners anyway you're in a position where you could go out today and you could probably eat just as much as you possibly wanted to there's 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 nothing that that would stop you and uh, right. and our bodies aren't really evolved to deal with that Right, our bodies aren't Neither like, are oh, our brains really. we, we didn't know that buckets of chicken were just available for you know at the drive through we yeah. thought we had to forage for this stuff. Now, did we mention this that El Wingador, the uh, that Errol Morris originally shot the, the the videos in extra because he was sh- he was shooting a promotional video for KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. We didn't, but yeah, talk yeah. about that. And, I think that's fascinating. And so he 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 was like, "This is the dude." Because I mean, I, I I guess this was uh, I I forget the exact time frame, but I guess this was in that era of the double down, where, where KFC is like unhealthy food for the win. Let's uh, let's you know, market it this way. Yeah. So so uh, Morris is like, this is this is the dude. This is the patron saint of Double Down. So he shoots this video with him, and he's he's like, this dude is so interesting. This is such a fascinating glimpse into really the heart of gluttony. My words, not his. Uh, he had to shoot this ten minute extra where he's just talking to Wingador about about it. Well, and I it's love great. that. And um, as you had mentioned earlier when we were talking about this, that um, he got to see him in action. Yeah. With the wings. Getting his glutton chops on. Glutton chops, yeah. yeah. Which is, I guess, what you, what you call the the smears of orange hot wing sauce that, yeah. that are on the side of your face when you're uh, uh, fully engorging yourself on chicken wings. Yeah. Yeah. As a vegetarian, I can say I've never had glutton chops. Are there? I might have had soy glutton chops. Are there soy based, or uh, do you think they're vegetarian or vegan eating competitions? No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, again, if someone's out there and they they want to uh, explore that, there you go. There's an idea. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just sort of antithetical to the whole vegetarian vegan thing. Yeah, I could be wrong though. No, no, I, I, I think it tends to be. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about the future of gluttony because there's always a future for gluttony. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, we've reached the space age of gluttony with uh, eating competitions, but I think humans could be grosser. I think we have it in ourselves to uh, to do more. Well, I think that you know, there's there's the possibility that we could actually create the vomitorium. Right, we used to think that in Roman times that there was something called a vomitorium that we, we'd eat in excess. And they did. There was a vomitorium, but it was it was not a place where you throw up your food so you can eat more. It was just an architectural flourish, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah that people mistook for like this big communal place where you just threw up after you. Yeah, which is a fabulous a gluttonous stuff. idea that doesn't right. exactly exist. But in the future, we might actually be able to manage food in a way that we could overeat. And in a way, uh, get rid of all of this excess. And that is through leptin. Again, we talked about leptin as being something that could, uh, that is very helpful in appetite suppression. And scientists at Columbia University have conducted several small studies looking at whether injecting people with leptin mm-hmm. can override the body's resistance to weight loss and help maintain a lower weight. And this is that in a few small studies, leptin injections seem to trick the body into thinking it's still fat. 
And after leptin replacement, and this is really interesting, study subjects burned more calories during activity, and in brain scan studies, leptin injections appeared to change how the brain responds to food, huh. making it seem less enticing. So you would, like, stick a syringe of leptin in one end mm-hmm. and a meatball sub in the other, <laughs> yeah. and, and and they would they would balance each other. Right, out. right. They just cancel each other out. Uh, but, of course, this is a sort of a new treatment and not something that's been widely studied and is probably years away for use. Right. Yeah. I should have gone for cheese steak. Why did I go for meatball? Cheese steak is much grosser. You think that's more gluttonous than meatball? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, they're man, basically the same. Both are lots of meat and some cheese on giant pieces of bread. But there's something about the cheese steak that's a little viler. I guess maybe because it's protein on protein. I guess. Yeah. It seems like, like there was a, a show I was watching, and it was like they were profiling these different chefs and their favorite foods in different cities. And like every city has its own cheesesteak. I feel like I've done this rant before, but it, I, <laughs> I have a thing against cheesesteaks. Yeah. All right. I think we're going to have to have a Science of Cheesesteaks uh, <laughs> podcast coming up. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Um, here's another thing that is that uh, on the cusp of our understanding and perhaps harnessing this information, something called brown fat, uh, yeah. which are fat cells that consume calories and release heat. Yeah, and if you're not driving or riding a bicycle or anything like that, you can you can probably reach up around your neck and you can sort of feel yourself a little a little brown fat, right? Because that's where the uh, the human body tends to store it. Oh, doing yeah. it right now. Yeah. Yeah. You have a nice little padding there. Um, it is important because researchers actually think that um, this could help turn white fat into brown fat, and you could actually burn more calories. And you could possibly do this by exercising. They, they have seen in subjects that exercise can uh, create brown fat out of white fat. Yeah, and this brown fat is remarkable because rather than storing excess energy, the fat actually burns through it. Right. Yeah. And, and previously, we kind of only thought that it was uh, like a rodent. Or human newborn thing. Rats are babies. Yeah. One of the, you know, they were the only ones to, who uh, who were really that into it. And we would, and generally, if you would see uh, a lot of brown fat in a human, an adult human, it meant that there was some sort of, uh, generally there was some other kind of health ailment going on that unbalanced things. Yeah, but they have a, a much better understanding. And this, I mean, this is only like three years old information, right? right? Yeah, we're and, still figuring it out. Yeah, like yeah. that they even figured out that brown fat exists in adult humans. And again, to go back to the rodents, um, at first, you know, they thought, okay, well, rodents can't shiver and they use brown fat to keep warm. And so do human infants who also don't shiver very well. And then they thought, well, once humans lose their brown fat after infancy, the shivering response kicks in and we no longer have a use for the brown fat. And that is not true. Um, they actually found, found that younger women have more uh, brown fat than, say, older men. Thinner people have more brown fat than um, than larger people. Uh, so they're still trying to figure it out and figure out how to actually uh, manipulate it again yeah. for our own use. But, but it's one of those things that could be problematic, though, because the, the people who have the most active brown fat are generally individuals with cancer or uh, hyperthyroidism. So, Right. And again, hyperthyroidism and, and cancer, assuming that um, you probably have whittled down to a weight that's not uh, that is no longer healthy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's got its limits, but that could be an uh, interesting future in terms of fighting off gluttony. Another possibility, this would be far future, uh, and I, I feel like I've mentioned this example before, but in Ian e. M. Banks' culture series, the denizens of the culture uh, who, you know, they've been genetically uh, in, uh, advanced to the point where they can they can release uh, random uh, drug-like chemicals into their body just by thinking about them. Uh, they have these, you know, the benevolent robots that look after them, but they can also bypass food or beverage. So, uh, like if an individual wants to have another cocktail but doesn't want to feel the effects of that cocktail, mm-hmm. they can bypass it straight through. Well, not straight through. Well, that, would it be the uh, the effects of that cocktail later on? I mean, you still want to hit the mm-hmm. reward center, right? 
I think they would just, you would get the taste. It would be like chewing a food and then spitting it out. Or I guess it would be a little, they would get like a little bit of the, um, uh, I, I got the impression it was, it was like, I want to enjoy this food, mm-hmm. but I don't want to actually digest it. And I don't, or I want to enjoy this beverage, but I don't want to actually take any of the alcohol into my system. Hmm. So it's like they have a separate line just for purely recreational uh, food and beverage. I like that. So it's like two different digestive systems in a way. Yeah. Although the, the one digestive system doesn't really work. Yeah. I'm just trying to think how we can fit this into our own little uh, worldview in the future, the possibility of having two different digestive systems. Yeah. I mean, I mean, of course, there are other possibilities, too, in terms of the future of gluttony. Like, imagine being able to plug yourself into a virtual environment where you just eat all you want. Yeah. You know? Would that would that sate you? You know, I wonder if that would kick in, again, with the reward center and dopamine, if that would be released I don't in know. that situation. Maybe. Maybe. It's, it's such a far future possibility. Yeah. Like you would have to, and we're talking, we would be talking more than just like strapping in some goggles and some haptic gloves and, you know, going through a city made out of cheeseburgers. It would, you would have to have a much more, uh, like neurologically plugged in system, uh, for that to take place. And by that point, who knows what, we, what else we'd have figured out. Well, and then do you think in that realm that more people would become competitive eaters? That's my question. Maybe, but it would be a crazy, like the competition would just be off the, the charts. I mean, how would you even, that. I don't know. I don't know. Some, somehow, some way. Interestingly enough, you know, this will come out like a couple of weeks later, but uh, we were recording this on Ash Wednesday before oh, a yeah. lot of people go into uh, like some sort of Lenten uh, fasting or saying I'm not going to eat fried foods except on feast days kind of a thing. So, But that's kind of that's, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, works out well. Talking about sins and yeah. Lent and gluttony. Shall we bring the robot over? Yes, bring the robot over with his fat sack of mail. All right. And uh, this this is rather fitting as well. Uh, we heard from a listener by the name of Aaron. Aaron uh, writes in and says, Hello, Robert and Julie. I just finished listening to your Absolute Disgust podcast in which you mentioned the cloaca bot, which you know, she has to specify because I guess we do mention that, that creation a lot. Yeah. Last week, I was lucky enough to take a trip to Tasmania for my 25th birthday. Happy birthday. And whilst I was there, I visited the Mona Art Gallery. Um, it was here I got to experience the cloaca bot for myself, close up and somewhat personal. Upon arrival at the gallery, I wasn't too familiar with Wim Delvo's work. So when I walked into the room that contained the bot, I was a bit caught off guard. There was a quote in some of the information that was given to me about the bot that pretty much sums up the artwork for me, and it was, a bit tedious to watch and, and stinks. <laughs> um, I was captivated by the contraption, as it looked like something could have uh, come out of the original Willy Wonka film. And once I realized uh, what the piece was, I was intrigued to find out more, but I also was uh, soon impulsed to get out of the room quickly. I can only describe the smell as unsettling. It wasn't a smack-in-the-face stench, but more of an earthy, grumbling, feel-it-in-the-back-of-your-throat kind of smell. Um, But as much as I wanted to explore the machine more, I couldn't stay in the room. Uh, there were a few other smaller versions of the Cloaca bot. My favorite was Cloaca number five, <laughs> uh, that were in a separate room uh, that I mustered up lung capacity to do a quick trip round to peek at, at uh, all the inner works of these machineries. It was a smelly yet intriguing experience. And then she goes on to point out that her uh, um, perhaps her only major disgust uh, is mangoes, of all things. You know what? I actually understood that. What? Really? Mm-hmm. How? Because they're slimy. Um, and they don't, for, for me, they don't pack the punch of like a peach or, you know, some other fruit in the same category. Huh. Well, I mean, I love mangoes, but they are a bit temperamental. They're one of those fruits when you buy them, 
that you, you never really know what you're going to get. Like a banana, banana is pretty consistent. Uh, yeah. I mean, assume that you can tell on the outside what a banana is probably doing on the inside, and uh, and you, you know what you're in for. But like a mango is kind of like a cantaloupe. Uh, to an extent, you see, you and I don't like cantaloupe. Know. Yeah, yeah. The so cantaloupe's one of those where it's sometimes, it's, sometimes the cantaloupe is amazing, but it'll, sometimes it's just kind of. Uh, yeah, just the payoff yeah. is not so great. I get this. We shouldn't say anything about sliminess, but I understand it from that perspective. But apparently, in Australia, that makes for a, a bit of a um, yeah, so odd, un-Australian, very un-Australian, odd person. The golden out. fruit. Is what it's the golden yeah. fruit, right? She's been shunned for not liking them. Well, well, presumably. I would say, well, mail me your mangoes then, but that would be disgusting because by the time they got here, yeah. they, would, they would just be, it would be this grotesque package full of insects and slime. Uh, but anyway, she uh, closes by saying, love listening to your podcast along with lots of other podcasts from you folks at HSW. Thanks for blowing my mind on a weekly basis. So, right. yeah, well, that was an excellent uh, email. Got to hear about uh, the Cloacabot. About, and more about like first-hand knowledge of the Cloacabot. I love I that people were out there meeting it for us. Well, it's on my bucket list now. <laughs> I've heard so much about it. I mean, I've read so much about it. Just I've got to see it in the flesh. In the, <laughs> yeah, poor choice of words. All right. Well, there you go, Gluttony. We would love, as always, to hear your input on this topic. What is your perception of gluttony? What is your experience with gluttony? What do you think about uh, professional eating contests? Have you ever participated in one? And uh, and what do you think about a, a nice, friendly vegan eating competition? Uh, is that against everything vegan stand for, or would it be kind of interesting? I don't know. You can find us on Facebook. It's Stuff to Blow Your Mind. And, uh, oh, we're also on Twitter. You can uh, reach out to us there, at Blow the Mind. And you can always send us an email to blowthemind at discovery.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Fork staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.